Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. So, 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 so. Was it um, the Blow Monkeys uh, from their most recent album, The Wild River, uh, the title track? I'm delighted to say that uh, the rec- recognisable face of the Blow Monkeys, Dr. Robert Robert Howard, is here with us. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for keeping me company. It's lovely to see you. I mean, you know, you were sort of, um, you know, I went to see you as a teenager. Uh, uh, sort of, uh, you know, I went to the Birmingham Odeon. The last, I think, it was the last concert. Right. That, um, that was shown at the Birmingham before it got turned into turned a multiplex. Into a multiplex, yeah. yeah. So what, eighty-seven or eighty-six or something like that? It might yeah, even it was, be. You know, it was for the yeah. she was only a grocer's daughter tour. Okay, eighty-seven. Yeah, that was our big tour. When we had we had we had big lights and stage show and everything like that. Wow. Didn't last long, but that was our little moment of uh, yeah. That happens, doesn't it, at record companies? Doesn't it? Where you sort of, you know you're the thing because you know suddenly there's. Uh, uh, the the budget that they were giving to someone else the previous year oh, yeah. is, is now yours. Well, I had the big spiel from the head of the record company at the time was saying that you, you just just be marvellous like the Eurythmics. Uh, just be yourselves. Be marvellous uh, like the Eurythmics. Yeah, because that was their advice to them, you know, because that was their big RCA, that was their big uh, you know, act. And we, and we had a big hit with Doesn't Have To Be This Way. So they said, you're next, you know, you're going to be global. Here you go. Take all these lights out with you on uh, and, and stage shows so that you make no money at all and end up owing us lots down the line. I bet they didn't quite put it like that, though, did they? No, th- <laughs> that was in the <laughs> small print. <laughs> but it was, yeah, but I think I'd be terrified if, if someone said that to me. I don't, I'm not sure that that's a particularly enjoyable thing to hear. You know what? I was full of it in those. I didn't, it, you know, it didn't bother me. I was kind of. Um, impervious to, to, to that pressure at, the, at that time because that's yeah. what I wanted you know I was kind of driven by by, by yeah. something at that point so um so so that that part of it didn't bother me I just thought oh yeah bring it on you know yeah absolutely and you sort of uh you did seem to wear it I mean you sort you know you were always a sort of very entertaining presence in uh in in smash hits and, and I just felt I couldn't quite join this sort of big happy family of pop music I could I felt slightly spiky Hmm. slightly ill at ease with it all i mean there's something deep inside of me that felt <clears throat> you know it's wrong you know uh, it, we're not supposed to all get on and be happy and talk you know it's so it, 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 you know I, I don't know even you know it was just uh i guess i don't know i grew up in that that area that the the punk era that was still inside me in in the sense that I, that's what made me think i can form a band and get into you know that whole thing about three chords and form a band I took really seriously because that was the first time like it seemed available to me. Yeah. So that was there was always something in there that, that of that that remained. This is really weird though because I I think that this is a common. Someone should give this a name. This kind of syndrome, for want of a better word, because when I talk to like 
like Paddy McAloon and mm. Green from Scritti Politti mm. and Tracy Thorne and Roddy Frame. Mm. They all they all say the same thing. They all sort of they they all say variations on. Well, you came from punk and we were ready to take on pop at its own game. But they all ended up feeling a little bit kind of, um, sort of, I don't know, sort of maybe d- dirty or something. Slightly <laughs> compromised by it. I mean, the 80s were big, shiny, and we were part of that. I mean, we had that snare sound. We didn't have the, uh, the, the uh, you know, the, the big shoulders yeah. so much. But, you know, it was definitely, um, you know, uh, easy to get take, carried away with that and caught up in it. And um, and you had to struggle hard to kind of sometimes to to hang on to the vestiges of rebellion if that's what it was or whatever. Mm. But yeah, those people you mentioned and 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 I always like Edwin Collins because because mm. he he was he was so dry and witty, you know, on stage. His mm. in between lines yeah, were yeah. worth going to see just Very for that, true. you know what I mean? So I, 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 yeah, I felt kinship with that. Yeah, I mean, I think you there was there did seem to be a sort of. Uh, you know, a core of people that are trying to sort of try and work their way through it with a sort of dig. And of course, you didn't waste it. Um, you know, I when I was sort of, you know, t- telling people on social media that we were, you know, that you were sort of coming in. I looked for a, for a, for a clip of celebrate the day after you with it because I remember you doing it on TV at the time with Curtis Mayfield. Yeah. And of course, it seems like a kind of. A, like a miraculous thing now, so you know, like the the way we venerate Curtis Mayfield. Mm. Of course, you were sort of. I think I probably heard about him through you. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I probably heard about him, you know, through something like the Jam doing Move On Up or something like that. But mm. I, I was a kind of aware of Curtis, you know, because where I, where I grew up in Kingsland. In the, in the in the sort of mid seventies was was like a, a bit of a soul town, you know. There was a there was a famous record shop there, the Soul Bowl. So that that Curtis thing was was always there, but I didn't really take notice. And by the time I got to meet him, hmm. you know, he was playing to sort of hundred people in Dingwalls when I went to see him at that point. And you 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 met him. You literally knocked on his hotel room door, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I got I found out where he was staying down Tottenham Court Road and knocked on his door and said, um, <laughs> "I've got a cassette here." And he was very lovely and said, "Okay, you know." And he he listened to it there and then. Were you were you not terrified? No, you know I told you. You know, in those days, you yeah, you know, you, I was on a mission, and Curtis. Now I, I agree with you. You know, in in retrospect, it, it may seem slightly bold. But what was the cassette you gave him? <laughs> it was a cassette of the track Celebrate that, that we were working on at the time. And I, I explained, you know, look, this is just like, you know, we're going to snatch her, we're going to have a party if we get rid of her, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this was no news to him. He had had, you know, records banned, you know, and, and all sorts of... I mean, that record we did with him did get banned. In the yeah, yeah, it did, yeah, yeah. But he, this had happened to him before. He, so he kind of... I think he, he liked the, the, the sentiment behind it, although he wasn't like party political at the time and um and so i I guess he recognized something in there and he just said yeah i'll speak to your people and he did and he was old school you know it was he made an appointment to come down the studio and he was met with an envelope of readies and uh, and then he came and because he didn't trust anyone and and he, he he was right not to you know in the record industry had he um had he, did you have to explain like from scratch who you were had he heard of you oh i don't think he'd heard of us no um, but I said that you know, and I played I played him a few things that were obviously influenced by him, and I said I know which key you love, F sharp minor, nice, and all that. You know that impressed him because I had I did know that he tuned his guitar to all the black notes on the piano, which is very unusual. 
it makes them very taut, very tight. It's yeah. an open F sharp yeah. minor, which means that you can't bend it, which gave him his unique way of playing and his sound. So when I was into that side of it, I think I was in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But he was a lovely guy, and, and Michelle and I got to know him and his wife, and we did a few promos together. And, and it was, um, yeah, he was a very, very yeah, gentle man. I mean, I subsequently read his, the book by his son. I don't know if you've read that. No. Fascinating. Really? I didn't, there were lots of dark stuff in there that I didn't know, and if it's true, it's true. Then, you know, right. you get the whole picture. But Curtis was, um, he was, he, yeah, he was, yeah, he was one of those guys, he's so good. That, that he was humble, you know what I mean? Right. When, they're, when they're that good, they don't need to prove it to you. And how didn't you just, wasn't it like a half an hour later, apparently Paul Weller knocked on his door as well? Paul did come at the same time because Paul was getting a, I think he got a track remixed um, right. on The Cost of Loving. He got a track, yeah, so that was funny. <laughs> yeah. I wonder who came like an hour later, maybe like Tracy Thorne or someone, who knows. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, well, let's... Uh, it seems to make sense to sort of play a bit of that and then we'll sort of... Uh, and then maybe we'll go into um, one of your favourite Curtis Mayfield tracks, To Be Invisible. Yeah. And then we'll kind of come up to date a little bit more and talk about what you're working on at the moment, if Lovely. that's OK. Lovely. Stay tuned for more music from Dr Robert Robert Howard. Uh, this is uh, the Blow Monkeys and Celebrate the Day After You. Curtis Mayfield to be invisible selection of our guest here, Dr. Robert Howard. How are you? I'm very well. All the better for hearing that again. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know this album. It's from Night in yeah. Sweet Exorcist from 1973. 73. Yeah, at Sweet Ex- Well, I think at that point he was putting two albums out a year. Hmm. Some of them went under the radar, especially if they didn't have a hit single, on. and that's one that, one of those. Um, that actually, my wife Michelle introduced me to years later. Michelle is here. Hello, Michelle. Michelle, Michelle the boss, and. Um, he told me that that was the favourite song that he'd written of his own and, and that his hero was, was Nat King Cole and that's who he was kind of trying to get. He wanted Nat King Cole to sing that song, you know what I mean? I mean, you can see it now. I wouldn't have guessed beforehand, but now that you say it, yeah. but it's always interesting just how many amazing records are sort of imperfect impersonations of artists that you would never have guessed that that was what they were. And yeah. Sometimes it's subconscious. You still, you know, I'm still always trying to get back to sounding like Mark Bolan on Deborah, but you know, <laughs> I've gone out of that now. But there was a point when I could do it perfectly, you know. and I think that um, Curtis, he he would never. He was talking about this to me. He said he would never have been able to have been a singer had it not been for the invention of microphones, because his voice was so, you know, quiet and and subtle. But he really knew how to use that microphone, you know. And in a way, Nat King Cole was the same. He was very mellow, very laid back. Well, that was that was. I mean, the age of the crooner was really a technological innovation, wasn't it? Yeah. Because you had like Bing Crosby and all these people who suddenly no longer had to project in the same way. Exactly. It was all to do with those lovely ribbon microphones that they made in America, as opposed to the condenser ones in Germany. But I, I, you knew that anyway. Of course, I knew that. Well, what do you take me for? <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's talk about um, this um, extraordinary current project, which you've sort of organised. You're sort of the, um, you seem to be the kind of main man behind it. 
Is that well, I, had, I don't know if I've organised it. Richard, who, who's, whose idea it was initially, who, who runs Monks Road in conjunction with Miles from Wonderful Sound, have, have put this together and asked me to kind of oversee it in a sort of production capacity. But, you know, I, it, was, it, was light, it was a light touch because everybody involved is great and knows what to do. I just you, you had a certain period that we had to record this in, lots of songs, lots of different lineups and stuff. So it was down to me to kind of coalesce that a little bit. So but, what was it, the so the album is sort of credited to Monks Road Social, yeah, uh, Dan the Willows, and what was sort of the the brief as it were? Um, I think Richard wanted to. He, yeah, he's a music fan. He's not been involved in the music industry before, so he he bought me all these playlists and things that he loved, and musicians that he loved, and said, "Can we just hire a studio out for ten days and get all my favourite people down and just create something?" So Richard being Richard, who owns Monks Road, right? Okay, Richard but, Clark. And then he he got involved with Miles from Wonderful Sound, who brought other artists in, um, and that I didn't know. So there were people that I knew there, like you know Matt Dayton, Mick Talbot, um, you know Steve White, um, Crispin and Ernie from Galliano, who came in and played. That was kind of like a house band, and then we got people in from Wonderful Sound on top, bringing their songs, sometimes singing some of my songs. And at the end of the day, somebody you know somebody has to kind of look after it and say, "Right, well, mm. this is what it's going to sound like. This is what we're going to do with it." And that was down to me, because you know I quite enjoy telling people what to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with a light touch, I don't think I could have done it like no. twenty years ago. But um, so um, and it shouldn't work because these things often don't. You know, these things are sort of things that you say, "Well," and then egos get in the way, and somebody's. But it just didn't didn't work like that. There was a really good vibe. But I feel like, in a way, it's it's great that there's an, an artifact to hang to hang this sort of. I feel like there, there's over the last sort of thirty years, maybe as far back as last thirty years, there has been this sort of loose agglomeration of of a fa- of fans like well, first and foremost, musicians that never sort of lost sight of the fact that they're sort of fans and that they love records and that they love the whole sort of kind of the exciting thing about records both listening to and making them and i include in that you know people like yourself and um you know the sort of the the people like the young marco from the young disciples and the acid jazz lot and now you know like miles and wonderful sound and you know they it's like a kind of a bunch like a load of planets that sometimes kind of you know kind of overlap and cross do you know what I mean yeah, so yeah. you all sort of know each other even if you don't always sort of work together yeah and this is that, that's true and it's the it's the music that's the glue hmm. and um you know some of us have been through that whole pop star thing and and uh, and and when that disappears and when things start going the other way sometimes all you have got to cling on to is the music and that's when that really sorts out the kind of men from the boys if you like you know and I've often thought well you know I started off busking when I was a teenager in Australia, and I've often thought I may end up busking again one day. And it's music that—it's the music that that keeps you going. That's really what the motivation was. So that's what all the people on this record have got in common, that they would do it for nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, well, they I did. think you're right. You know, it was, <laughs> I think we're all, do, we're all doing it for nothing these yeah, days. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, it's in the blood. It has to be. Of course. And uh, the, the, the thing is... Um, you know, you're. I was going to mention this later, but I might as well mention it now. You know, you your sort of kind of lodestone. It seems to me, growing up, was sort of Mark Bolan, 
And that was an example of someone who maybe, um, you know, you know, when he stopped appearing on the covers of magazines and all the rest of it, then the music, for whatever reason, wasn't sort of enough to sort of fill that hole. And so there's kind of a wide... That's a sort of good perspective, but it's not an easily won one. And it's, I would imagine, you know... I, I'm quite, it's quite impressive to me in a way that you kind of always kind of... You never lost sight of that. Yeah, I mean, Mark was particularly important to me when I was young. Um, because it was a magical world and I wanted to be part of that magical world. But I knew also that that it was fraught with danger and that he was all about fame. Mm. Even though, and this is the thing that always gets overlooked with him, I think he was a fantastic musician, you know, operating with three chords, but amazing feel. Mm. that he, he was a genius in to get so much out of so little. But it wasn't enough for me mm. just to cling on to that. I pretty soon realised that. And so, you know, when I was sort of 17, you know, people like Paul and mm. Strummer and people like that started to become really important for me. And they and, the, and then you would you would read the music press in those days and there would be journalists that would that would that, that, that were far more interested in the music they were writing about sometimes and they would drop hints and so you were getting education, you got books and politics and yeah, yeah. And so life takes over. Yeah. Absolutely. So 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 yeah, I had I you know, I've had my moments where where I thought that the fame thing and enough was 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 something to go for, but that pretty soon soon lost sight of that. Yeah. Pretty soon, it wasn't enough. It's not there's not no. enough nourishment. This you is don't. a long journey. And had Mark Bowden lived, for instance, I don't know. Who knows? He may have ended up down the end of the pier. I've got a, I've got a sneaky that he might have done. But but then again, you know, he wasn't. I think there was a great program on him, and somebody said he wasn't as good as he thought he was. Yeah, yeah. But he was better than people thought he was, you know, and there, there was some, something like that, and that was yeah, true. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And so, so, and this, this, so this project, the Monks Road Social down yeah. the Willows, I guess that's that. It's the ultimate vindication of that approach, isn't it? That that you know, this is what ultimately sort of keeps. This is what we keep coming back to. It's what we loved as kids. And yeah, what, you're just trying to create some magic. I mean, yeah. with a, with a song, you just. I think you're just trying to cast a spell, and sometimes. Sometimes you catch it and other times you don't, but you have to be, if you're in a room with musicians like this, um, you know, and, and, and the vibe is right, it's not so hard to capture. So we're going to hear Lost in Raza, the yeah. first song to be released from this yeah. world. This is a song that you recorded a while previously. I did it on, on a solo album, yeah. I did it two years ago on a solo album, which was basically just me and the acoustic guitar in my house. And um, and I always thought I'd love to do this again with proper orchestra and all that, the full the full thing. And and you know the Vasa part of it was just a pretentious Sanskrit word for being lost in intoxicated by art or music or film or books. I don't think we have a word in English for it. It's right, it's fine. It's yeah, that's a, you fine. Can do that. Can't I like you? that. Absolutely. <laughs> well, this is stunning. I'm very excited about playing this. Thanks for bringing Thank it you. in, Robert. Told you it was special, didn't I? Uh, Lost in Raza um, from the new uh, project featuring, uh, organised by, among others, Dr. Robert uh, Robert Howard. I keep defaulting to Dr. Robert. You probably, you probably don't, you know, that's kind of... <laughs> it's just like my... It's, it's like hardwired into my smash-hits-reading brain. Like Dr. Robert and the Blowman, I just don't know. 
you know, when you start off, you think, oh, I've got to have a name. No, I've got to have a name, and that'll do. I'll change it. Same with the Blow Monkeys. I thought, well, that'll do. We'll change it. I know. I'm friends with Stephen Duffy, and the poor sod is just sort of still tintin. bloody tinting after all these years. <laughs> you know, it's sort of... Like, drop the tinting. Well, you know, I've, you know, it's like I don't... <laughs> I don't call him to... Um, but he kind of made a thing. He released a compilation album, which is called They Called Him Tintin. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, well, fair enough. So I guess you kind of... Uh, yeah, it's like Stockholm Syndrome. Not so. No, it's like... Um, the five rules of uh, the five stages of grief. You right. kind of you kind of accept it in the end. <laughs> is, is it accept- yeah, exactly. You turn it into a positive. Yeah. Well, let's anyway. We don't have to do that. Um, so um, you brought uh, you brought you very kindly brought your guitar in. Yeah. So you're gonna, so um, well, um, I, I read in the paper today that um, the uh, there's there's a, there's a move to make uh, busking far more difficult, almost illegal. Local councils trying to clamp down on it, and. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I started busking during my sort of teenage years in, when I lived in Sydney, in mm. Australia. And uh, this is a song that um, I, I wrote about that. It's called Circular Key. As the boat Pulled out to sea And I drifted Into a daydream It was a vow I had to take That kept running Around in my mind I couldn't tell A soul about it I couldn't share My escapade I couldn't bear To live without it Even though I was afraid of circular key, circular key. I felt you looking over me. It was like a love denied a voice Conspired to keep me quiet I didn't seem to have a choice And should you ask me, Lord, I denied But when I busked there with my partner It wasn't money that we were after And when we found love in the dark Lord, we just sailed home with the sharks of Circular Key. Circular Key, I felt you looking over me. I felt you looking over me. I felt you looking over me. I felt you looking over me at Circular Key.
sensational. So good. Thank you. Oh, blimey, a bit early for that, but there you go. That's a, such a beautiful song. And that, I, I was thinking that the, the day you wrote the line about sailing with the sharks, you must have been quite, quietly high-fiving yourself. That's such a beautiful image. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'd come from this black-and-white world in Kings Lynn in the 70s, and we, me and my mum, we moved out to, to Australia when I was 15, and uh, suddenly I was catching the ferry across... Sydney Harbour to the North Shore to get home at night after a night out in Sydney, you know. So well, this did... felt like, wow, what happened here? And you were, you were happy, you were happy to be there. You know what, I wasn't, because part of me was like, damn, you know. There were never any gigs in Norfolk, right? In the, and then just the week before I left, the West Rockton Pavilion, T-Rex and the Dam. <laughs> and, I'm, I, and I'm leaving to go and live in Australia. And I'm thinking, no, man, this is, I want to stay here, I want to be, this is for me, my time has come. But... The first band I saw in Sydney in 1977, The Saints, blew my mind. I thought, no, this is all right, there's something going on here. And did you know, did you go blind or did you know a little bit about them or...? I didn't know anything about them, no, at the time. And supporting them was The Boys Next Door, which was Nick Cave's band before the birthday party. Wow. So I thought, yeah, no, this is, you know, there's something going on here. (laughs) So, um, and I fell in love with The Saints and and subsequently a band called The Laughing Clowns that Ed Cooper formed. Talking of Australian bands, I noticed that in the reissue of She Was Only Grace's Daughter, there's a thank you to Grant McLennan, not from the go-betweens, surely. Yeah, and they were the other ones. I mean, there were the three bands, we, the, the, the birthday party, as they turned into, Laughing Clowns and the go-betweens, wow. all came to London in 1981, and so did I. And I, I, by that time, I'd kind of got to know them a little bit, you know. But they all went into deepest Elves Court. Yeah, Elf's Court is a kind of almost like a, <laughs> both a literal place and a euphemism, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, for reasons that we won't go into, they all ended going there. So, um, but yeah, they, they were great, uh, the, the, you know. Um, and that that was they, those ba- those three bands in particular were the, were, the, were were worth going to Australia for. So, why did you thank Grant in the sleeve to? She's only great. Uh, uh, you're going back 30 years. I've got no idea. That's all right. I literally noticed it on the train this morning. I thought, oh. <laughs> That's, I don't remember. That's, that's a rum thing. Yeah, um, been a reason. That's all right. So, where do you? What? what where is? Where is life for you now? Not Australia, obviously. Uh, where? Where are you? Uh... I, I'm in Spain at the moment. I'm, I'm, we, we, we've been out there for 20 years. We went out and bought a piece of land, built a house just south of Granada. Took the kids out there before um, you know before it all went haywire with Brexit. <laughs> I'll probably have to come back next year. Well, I yeah, know. I mean, suddenly, like, all, the, all those all those songs that you wrote, uh, you know, 30 years ago, depressingly relevant again. Oh, tell me about it. I've been playing with recently, you know, Choice and things like that, and I'm thinking, God, no, this is this feels a bit odd. But <clears throat> hopefully, uh, well, let's see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, well, some the, things never change. The, yeah, I mean, it almost seems like a utopian period, like, compared to, like, what we're, what we're into right now. <clears throat> it's dark now. Yeah, we need, we do need to um, we we do need a bit of light. We need need to appeal to uh, to to to, to people's uh, better halves, I think. And that's one of the things I loved about this Monk's Road thing. You know, it mm. was it was such a, a, a you know, without sounding too sort of uh, hippy dippy about it, it was a, a very loving, giving atmosphere. Mm. You know, um, and so that gives you uh, a renewed kind of faith in human nature. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I, that, that's something that kind of I, I'm slightly the generation slightly underneath it. But, you know, there there is that sort of, you know, there is that kind of sense of community between like minded, especially music fans. Music is a thing that does that with people who kind of sort of take the pledge, as it were. Yeah. And uh, 
and it's still there. I think I think younger people have got. How old are your kids? Um, they're in their twenties, mid twenties, late twenties. So, because I think there's a sort of generation sort of coming through now who who you know are kind of slightly sort of you know detached and exasperated by like what kind of people more in my generation have sort of done to the country. And, you know, I, I, I do see that, you know, I, I get a sense that the moment they get a chance to sort of change things and do things differently, then they, they will sort of show us. But there has to be the way that has to. We have yeah. to have faith in, in the young people to do that. And I, and I agree with you. I see it. I see the evidence of it. I mean, just in this, you know, this Brexit thing, if they had the vote again and there are now two million more people, hmm. uh, those people, I think, will vote to stay yeah. part of the European Union because they see themselves culturally as part of that. True. It's not even to do with economics. No, my it's kids... It's to do are, with yeah. belonging. Absolutely. And, 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 is that how your kids feel as well? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that is that is there is a generational cut-off there. And, of course, this appealing to kind of nationalism and, and getting back, you know, control and all that stuff. Hmm. It's just an emotional appeal to, to to the older generation uh, to go back to what they think it used to be like, which is an imagined past anyway. It doesn't really exist. <laughs> so I, I do believe the youth will save us. It is this weird false nostalgia that seems to be kind of specific to sort of a generation of people who whose memories don't quite go back to a, a period before the NHS, <clears throat> yeah. sort of before the war. So it's this kind of like false memory of a kind of... Um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I sometimes I wonder if it just started with those fucking keep calm and carry on tea towels. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. First, world, first world war stuff. Yeah, you, and then suddenly I'm, you. you have Michael Gove going on about sort of uh, the the spirit of Kitchener. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, and it, they're, they're they're manipulating people and lying to them and. Uh, yeah. And so now you're seeing the resurgence of this, you know, this awful kind of, you know, um, well, to racism for a start. I mean, look at the football this week. This is like this is mm. like going back to 1975, you know. So there's something it's, it's unearthed something really dangerous, and and I, I don't believe that's that's culturally what young people are like and what they want. No, no, no. I think you're absolutely right from what I see. Yeah. Anyway, um, but you're in. So whereabouts in Spain are you? Near Granada. In the south, Andalusia. And do you do you find yourselves having to sort of explain to people, to, to sort of like apologise? <laughs> uh, they, 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 they. Well, some of them, uh, you know, they do, they, 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 they do look at Britain and and, and with, a, with a sort of queried, hmm. puzzling look, and you just, uh, you know, but they, and they, you know, but. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, there were people that live in Gibraltar that voted for Brexit, you know, so mm. what can you do, you know what I mean? That's yeah. what you're dealing with. Of course. And they read the Daily Mail because that's all you can get out there. Yikes. You know, so they're, 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 you know, there's a lot of propaganda flying about. And what excites you these days, sort of musically? What's, what am I likely to sort of... Uh, Radio Soho, yeah. I, I listen to it at home. Do you really? <laughs> yeah, I do. Bless I can you. Get it, I can get it on the internet. And um, I, I just... I mean, I, I don't follow any particular thing now. I just sort of, I just hear things on the. There's a really good radio station in Spain called Radio Tres, hmm. which you can hear anything in, in any time of day. It's like right. listening to sort of 24 Hour John Peel, wow. and that sort of thing. You know, so I'm quickly on my Shazam. What is that? What is that? Yeah. Hmm. That's the way it works for me now. Do your uh, kids turn you on to anything? Oh yeah, I mean, my son is big time into into music. He's 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 been involved in putting on clubs and making music all his life. Wow. So um, on on that kind of like you know. 
um, not the grime thing, but on a more sort of urban mm. thing, you know, sort of, um, but on a world, you know, right now he's, he's, he's in South Africa um, mm. putting a club on. He's, he's, he's introduced me and so has my daughter to a lot of music. Yeah. You know. I like this kind, this kind of most recent wave of grime. I think is really interesting because I'm hearing a lot of um, dance hall in it, uh, which yeah. m- not, I wasn't hearing it so much in the first sort of gen- era. But and I wonder if it's people's dads who like. It is though, isn't it? Because I read that it? book about the the beginning, Dan Hancock's about the grime thing and how it started in these three tower blocks, and all the fathers of Wiley and Dizzy Rascal and all that, and what the music they were into. And, and Stormzy and everyone, yeah. and, and, and how that fed into what they were doing. So that's that's, that's exactly what it isn't is. It? Yeah, because yeah. you can hear little inflections of it sometimes, and yeah. the, the beat of it sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Um, we can go three ways here. I'd love to hear you play another song. That's a given. Oh. Um, we have also um, lots of recordings that you've made from, the, from going through, both recently and through the decades. And so we can play something from there, or we can play one of your selections. I know you sort of mentioned Fred Neal. We've got T-Rex track, a couple of other things as well. Do you think we should have a bit of Fred? I think it's, a bit of Fred is always, you it's know. up to you. Yeah. I mean, there was a period when um, when the Blow Monkeys first blo- broke up uh, at the end of the 90s. It felt like, yeah, no, this was the time to stop, you know, um, 10 years of doing it. And I moved out of the... London into the countryside and all that and I did some solo albums on Heavenly and um, the guy that runs Heavenly, Jeff Barrett became a really good friend and he was always pumping me with music but one day he played me this Fred Neil that I'd never heard and I've got to say it changed my life it sent me on a journey Yeah, that and Dylan but on on, on a journey so I listened to everything that ever came out of the Greenwich Village and before and that whole archaeological dig so in a way I kind of it was through him that I, I got an education because I, 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 there was so much that I didn't know about, you know what I mean, musically. Yeah, absolutely. In those years in the Blow Monkeys, well, we in those all, early yeah, days, yeah, of course. So I was winging it, and that's what gave it some some legitimacy because I was making it up. I knew nothing about hmm. the roots, so I had to re-educate myself, and 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 Fred was part of that journey. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it really, I mean, it. it, it immediately kind of influenced your music it was amazing just um yeah there was a time i mean that was a time when i when i i was you know i, I was living near the manor where paul weller was yeah, um, yeah recording a lot and he also introduced me to things and me i heard so, so. somewhere was it true did you introduce paul to nick drake Is was that you i heard somewhere that yeah you... i did i put on the tape um riverman and uh and i think he he, he really went for that yeah, in a big way. Um, Who would have? But, but that was, you know, the least I could do because he'd introduced me to, to so much down the years. Yeah. And um, but there was a time when we were, we would sit and play, you know, Tim Hardin songs and things like that. Those, those, that kind of stuff was 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 really important to me in the early nineties. It was a really exciting is. little time. That little little kind of chapter of music, you know, yeah. where you you and Paul were sort of kind of you know you were kind of um moving in parallel almost it seemed yeah i guess so yeah you know doing that 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 because we were we were living close to each other and our kids yeah. were really good friends and and obviously you can't help but influence each other yeah and and, it, uh, yeah. and but marco as you mentioned before was also another important um person in in that whole thing you know yeah. he's he's uh it's really hard to get him to make any records but he's in, but he's 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 a, under the under the radar he's quite he's an influential figure it was very inspiring for me to read interviews with all you guys at the time and see kind of that you could sort of 
that there's a kind of certain spirit which kind of assimilates, which can take in both sort of Terry Callier and Fairport Convention and all these things. Yeah. And uh, it was just great, you know. It yeah, was I, I, actually, things. I loved I, I did a record with Beth Orton. I produced a couple, mm. and Terry Callier joined oh, us on yeah. that one. Oh, wow. And uh, I loved it when when we were just warming up in the studio because he's from Chicago and he was, you know, we were just jamming on, on Curtis tunes on the acoustic, and that was a magical moment because he, he's a real, he was a lovely guy. Special. Go on to cap to 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 be in the orbit of these people while they're around is amazing. Let's listen to it. We're going to play dolphins or yeah. Is there, yeah? Dolphins. Okay. All right, let's go for it. This old world may never change. My, my, we appear to be out of time. What a tragedy. Um, I've had a lovely time. Robert, thank you so much for thank keeping you. company. Thank you for inviting me. I've really enjoyed it's it. really good. Next time Cheers. you're in town, yes. do pop in again. I always will. All right, thank you. That'd be really, really Cheers. good. See you guys next week. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye.